clap sync. This video is brought to you by our Patreons over at patreon.com slash DCMworks, where you can get access to all kinds of behind the scenes content, post shows. Uh, You can download the first 20 chapters of the Maynard Trick audiobook now if you sign up to the $6 tier. Um, We're also going to start posting videos of our uh, team general meetings. So if you want to get a bit of behind the scenes of how we do what we do, you can head over there. And yeah, patreon.com slash DCMworks helps support the show and helps us do what we do. Anyway, okay, let's just fucking do the show. All right, three, two. Hey guys, welcome back to our Friday's podcast, official podcast of digital and creative media works. Where each week we take some from pop culture and try to break it down to better understand it. My name is David. Hi, my name is Ben. Ben, we're joined this week by returning guest and friend of the show, Danielle. Hi everyone, thanks for having me back. Uh, Danielle comes to us from Level Story. Now, bit bit of a disclaimer: we did record this episode <laughs> and then we lost it all um, <laughs> because Windows decided to update itself. So we're over here losing our minds slightly. So we got about we got about ten minutes in. So we got about ten minutes in, it. and then we lost so it all. This first um, ten minutes might be a bit. So it might you might interesting be interesting from your perspective. It's yeah. gonna be weird for us as well. Yeah. Uh, this week, uh, Danielle, we tend to get you back for pretty story heavy video games, games that focus on narrative. Um, and it just so happens that recently. Uh, the episodes we've had you on have been about, I guess, walking simulators. Um, so, Dear Esther and Firewatch. So, I thought, why not continue that trend? Um, mm-hmm. uh, because this week we we're talking about the meaning of what remains of Edith Finch. Uh, those of you playing along at home, Edith Finch is a 2017 narrative adventure game developed by Giant Sparrow and published by Annapurna Interactive, directed and written by Ian Dallas. Uh, and just a bit of a, a tidbit that might help kind of contextualize this a little. It was originally going to be published by Sony, which is why it's got uh, quite a lot of polish and money behind it. Um, and it was eventually picked up by Annapurna to finish. Um, so that might just help contextualize a little bit of why some of the game is so polished and then some of it, it feels like kind of half done. Yeah. Like the shark rolling down the hill, I'm thinking of specifically. There's some stuff in that where it's like they clearly just had to fudge it at the last minute. Uh, um, oh, my gosh. But as we always do before we get into the summary, we'll just go around and uh, if this was your first time playing it, what did you think? And if this was uh, coming back to it, um, it was your experience any different? I'll start with Danielle this time. This is my first time playing, and I honestly really loved the game. Um, you know, my computer was having some issues while I was playing it, but other than that... Uh, I I really enjoyed it. I, I knew nothing going into it, except I had seen a few shots of, like, one of the characters. I think it was Barbara. I saw a shot of her mm-hmm. and then the fish stuff I'd seen. But other than that... Everyone's seen the fish Everyone's thing. Everyone's yeah. seen the fish thing. It's such a good, it's such a good <laughs> sequence. Yeah, I guess it, well, I was going to say, like, I saw just, like, one snapshot and that was it. So, yeah, other than that, went in completely blind and really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, Ben? Yeah, I liked it. It's definitely along the same vein of stuff like Dear Esther and Firewatch. And like, I enjoyed those games. It's the kind of thing where you play it and then you kind of put it on the shelf for a bit. You yeah. play it like two years later, yeah. put it on the shelf. So it's the kind of game you go back to every now and then when you just feel like having a having a bit of a, a narrative moment. Bit of it, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's- <laughs> and I really, I really like the fish bit that I, I, didn't, I didn't go into this game completely blind. I was aware of the fish bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I was looking forward to the fish bit. And the fish bit was everything, <laughs> I, everything, everything I thought it would be. Um, I, coming back to it this time, I had probably a similar experience to you, Ben, where I played it when it first came out because it was very much up my alley. And then I just kind of never thought about it again and didn't think deeply about it at all. Um, and I was saying that one of the things I struggled with is normally when I'm playing something or, or watching something um, for the show, I kind of immediately know... 
uh, like the angle I'm going to tackle it from, like the the, the thing I want to focus on or really like bed down in. It didn't really happen with this game. Um, there wasn't really a moment where it kind of clicked for me that there was a particular topic I wanted to cover. I don't think it's a fault of the games necessarily. I just think it's such a specific, discrete story that it doesn't leave a lot of room for interpretation. What, yeah. what I think the only mystery that goes unsolved is what happened to Milton. That's about it. What I'm going to do with the summary is because we have the audio for that, I'll just cut the gameplay over that. So we'll use my original summary so I don't have to redo it. Oh, sweet. Um, nice, but, nice. So I've just, I've just sort of that right then. There's a bit of podcast magic. Adam, <laughs> cut that out so no one hears me saying that. <laughs> but so Adam, summary, summary can go here. Um, and as always, there'll be uh, time codes in the description if you want to skip. A lot of this isn't going to make sense to you, and I'm sorry about that. The player character takes a ferry to Orcas Island off the coast of Washington State, carrying the journal of Edith Finch. Through the journal, Edith recounts her last visit to her family's home on the island in 2017. The player witnesses Edith's return from her point of view, with separate vignettes which she writes about each deceased relative. Edith explains that the family is believed to be cursed. All but one child of each generation die, leaving a single survivor to continue the family. Her great-great-great-grandfather Odin, after losing his wife and their newborn child, tried to escape the curse by moving from Norway to the US with his remaining daughter, Eddie, and her family in 1937. Odin insists on bringing their home with them, but waves capsize the house and Odin drowns just offshore. The remaining family build a new home on Orcas. Here, Edie gives birth to more children and builds a family graveyard nearby. For a while, Edie believes they have avoided the curse, but unusual tragedies befall her husband Sven and all of her children, Molly Calvin, Walter and Barbara, save for Sam. Edie memorializes each death by turning their bedrooms into shrines. Being inside for the first time, I felt like I'd stepped behind a painting. Sam marries and has three children. Edie refuses to repurpose the bedrooms in the Finch home, and instead they construct additional stories atop the home for Sam and his children, Dawn, Gus, and Gregory. Dawn is the only one to live to adulthood. She marries Sanjay and has three children, Lewis Milton and Edith Jr., Following her husband's death, Dawn brings her family back to the Finch home. Milton, an aspiring artist, goes missing, and Dawn becomes increasingly paranoid. She seals off the memorial bedrooms, not wanting the other children learning of their family past, though Edie insists they leave a peephole in each door. Lewis commits suicide in 2010. Mrs. Finch, your son was a kind man who will be missed by all of us who knew him. On the night following his funeral, Dawn decides that the remaining Finches must leave the home, but Edie refuses. Dawn and Edith leave that night, abandoning most of their possessions. When the nursing home arrives the next day to pick up Edie, she has already died. When the fog rolled in, I lost my way. Six years later, Dawn succumbs to illness. She leaves a key to the Finch home, leading Edith to return and explore the house while writing her journal. Edith discovers the key unlocks secret passages between the sealed-off bedrooms. She writes her thoughts on these and eulogies of the departed family members in her journal. Edith eventually reaches her own old bedroom and writes to the unborn child she carries, hoping her journal will help it understand her family's heritage. In the present, the player character is revealed to be Edith's son, Christopher, the sole surviving Finch after Edith dies during childbirth. Disembarking the ferry, he travels to the Finch home and places flowers at Edith's grave. And when you look at the house, that history of imagination and stubbornness and madness, any of it seems possible. 
so what we were talking about last time before we lost um, the footage, which my goodness, um, was about uh, sort of whether or not we had enjoyed the fact that it was fairly linear um, and there isn't really many options um, as far as the ways that you can approach this game. Everyone ostensibly has the same experience from yeah. end, from start to finish, which I think, you know, is not a fault of the game, but it's just worthy of note in that what we're going to be describing here is pretty much what anyone who's played this experience. Yeah, it's not like mm-hmm. Dear Esther where we all had slightly different sort of things happen and you know in dear Esther, there's like a lot of like secret stuff as well yeah. where it's like if you don't yeah. notice it or if you don't if really pay super close attention or like you if you haven't it. read the bible like you're not going to get half of the imagery right. like there's a lot of stuff in that that is very reliant on what's like external knowledge and putting pieces yeah. together and really like but when you do it's rad it's so cool like that game is there's so much to unpack in it for that reason mm-hmm. i feel like this game is a bit less like that um but so really what I wanted to focus on and, and talk about was the fact that this game, the, the, the kind of gimmick or the thing that makes it interesting is the framing device that allows them to tell the story in the way that they do. So similar to Dear Esther, the story has a specific framing device. And in this case, it's the story is you're reading Edith's journal and this is like dreamlike. So you're inhabiting the story about the, the, the words from her journal and it has a dreamlike quality and the text appears as in what or the, the narration appears as like in world text and actually becomes like the central function of the story. So it's hard to explain. Um, we'll put a clip up here, but you basically, as you're walking, the words appear in world. Mm. Yeah. So actually 3D objects in the world and you can do stuff like walk through them or some of them like blow away in the wind and things like that. Um, it's a really neat effect and it's quite a unique um, visual aesthetic that I don't think a lot of games have done since. There's, there's like a few examples of it. Can't think of any at the top of my head, but it's, it's definitely a... Yeah. It's definitely a device that's been used a few times. I don't think it's used to the extent that this game uses it. Yeah. It's kind of used in Edith Finch to kind of drive you in the direction you need to go. So, if you're walking around and there's like text that appears next to it, it'll actually grab your camera and pull it to the text. So, it actually, you know, when when you're dealing with like level design, when you're like, how are we going to make it obvious where to go? And like this game does a lot of that where it'll do like, parving where it'll you know you'll walk into an area and then you'll turn around you'll walk back but yeah. you'll actually end up walking down a different path without realizing it just uh. because they've kind of hidden the path that you came up and then revealed the other one so like tricks like that the game's full of it but then just if we just make the camera lock to the direction you need to go mm-hmm. it helps it kind of yeah it does help it's also yeah. what you want to be looking at yeah that's the other thing uh, and the, right the voice acting is pretty superb in this so it there is some stuff that I got a bit, I was like, yeah, I don't know, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But I think in general, like all of that works pretty slickly. There was never a point where it felt forced either. Did you know that that was, a th- that was the thing that this game does going into it, Danielle? Or was that a surprise for you when it sort of, when the narration started? Uh, that was a complete surprise to me. I had no idea that it would do that. And I actually, I, I really enjoyed that. I thought it made me think of almost like being a kid again and playing those games in the 90s where you would have text on the screen like and but except it was making it more creative and not obviously a much more adult story yeah. i just thought to myself it just it reminded me a lot of like a visual novel or something and i yeah. i loved seeing the text on screen and um like you said like the effects of it i just i loved every part of it yeah it's i think because it is almost the, the the thing that I was really impressed by going back this time because I was looking for it was there's also a lot of like the sound design of this game is really fascinating. There's a lot of like mm. pseudo diegetic 
noises in this game. Uh, there's, a, there's a moment at the start of the game that stood, stood out to me where she, you're walking along the path, like the the, ro- the abandoned road or whatever. And she's like, there haven't been any cars in, here in a while, but others, you know, there's some hoof prints or whatever. And there's like the pseudo diegetic, um, the sound of hoofs as you walk past it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's really well designed where as you walk past it, the hoofs are to your, like to the right where the, the hoofs are on the ground. That's where the sound is coming from. They do that a mm-hmm. lot with the, the sound design to kind of blur the line between reality and this kind of dreamlike state um and i think think that's what this game is probably best known for is the way that you experience it not necessarily i'm I'm not sure that people would would remember the story of this game so much as they would remember the experience of playing and that this kind of goes to something that marshall mcluhan uh uh, mcluhan i can never say his name uh but mcluhan's (laughs) seminal piece understanding media the extension of man was where he coined the phrase the medium is the message and this game is a perfect encapsulation of that where in practice um uh mcluhan proposes that a communication medium itself not the content is the focus of what people take away from it. Mm. So what, what he's trying to say is that how we consume something and how it's communicated is often more important than what is said um the content is almost kind of secondary. Um, and I think this proves pretty true for Edith Finch. Um, in the presentation and interactivity of the retelling is way more important than the actual like story itself. And outside of this, I think if you put this story just on paper, like in a novel, for instance, it wouldn't be as good or it would lose, it, it would lose a lot of the interest. And that's something that we've talked about before with, um, with prose versus like interactive media or even like movies and stuff like that is the 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 amount of information being communicated to you and the the way in which you receive it completely changes the way you have to tell that story Mm. but also in fact changes like the way you i guess consume it and i think that the content is woven into the medium is what makes the game enjoyable i would agree yeah the fact that the text floats and yeah the fact that the text floats and the things like that whereas i think for something like dear esther that's also true in that you're you're not really doing gameplay interactivity. You're walking around, and the lack of interactivity is what makes that work. So it's it's I think it's a really specific thing with games that doesn't really doesn't really exist in other media to the same extent. I don't think. Yeah, because because games you have to interact, right? Like you have to be doing something. Otherwise, uh, I hate this phrase, but like not a game. I mean, if you're not doing anything, which is yeah. why I would never constitute games like this not a game. But that's a whole nother can of worms. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but what I'm getting at is that with games, obviously, this interactive element is important. And so by weaving in these different things, like having the text flow around you, or like you said, the sound effects with the hooves next to you, it's just a more unique way of approaching it. Whereas Dear Esther does it a bit differently. This like Dear Esther doesn't have a lot of that, I find, which is fine. But then this just adds another layer, which I thought was really nice. Yeah, I think this is almost like the evolution of games like Dear Esther, where, you know, Dear Esther is good in its own right, but it is quite technically limited in its scope from like a technical perspective it's pretty much just like a mod of the source engine like it's yeah it's like a you know it's like a 10 year old engine running like like pretty old tech rah 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 like it's an old game mm-hmm. whereas edith finch you know it's got that polish it's got more of that um she's gonna she's gonna glug that I'm water, right glug into that my- water. <laughs> right. You, you keep that it's 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 got more kind of substance to it it's got more sort of like technical advancement in it It, it's kind of using some of the lessons that other games have learned like firewatch and dear esther and kind of just going like all right let's actually like fill it out and make it like the best it can be without 
kind of spoiling what we're trying to do, which is, you know, keep it like narrative, narrative focus, keep it focused on the vignettes. <laughs> okay. That's the other thing I wanted to talk about is the vignettes. Did you guys, okay. I think the first <laughs> one is my least favorite where you, you, you're the, the different animals. That's where the, the Molly vignette. Right. Um, and I don't know if it's just the, it might just be a function that it's the only one that's told from a child's perspective. I don't know. Um, or the, there's something really unsettling. I know it's the point that's trying to set the tone, but there's something deeply mm-hmm. unsettling about her eating stuff. Yeah. I don't know what that is in video games, but I don't like when someone eats, when you're in a first person <laughs> game and they eat, they literally put stuff put in their mouth. Put something like in the camera. And the, yeah. the mouth sounds really visceral <laughs> and I fucking hate mm-hmm. it. I didn't like that one. Mm. And unfortunately I had to play it twice because my game crashed immediately oh. after it and I didn't, <laughs> didn't get a save. So I had to play that through that one That's twice and it is great. definitely the worst one. Yeah. Um, I just think in, in contrast to the others that are so interesting and deliberate, it just, I don't know, it felt... Um, even just the basic gameplay of it, like when you're the shark and you're rolling down the hill, there's nothing fun about no. it. Like Did it you just get stuck behind the trees because I no, I got stuck. I had a goddamn yeah. nightmare with this <laughs> vignette. Apparently, so I got every time I played this as a shark because again I played it twice. Yeah. I got stuck behind trees and I had to flip flop my way out of the trees. I was like, is this <laughs> what it's meant to be like? That's and no. then when I played it the first time and I was playing as the tentacle boy. I like I I did like this big weave of a motion. I grabbed one mm. of the grabbed one of the people and then he got stuck and I soft locked and I'm like God I'm gonna have to restart the game. That's so annoying. So yeah, I hate the Molly yet so much. Maybe it's it, a technical nightmare. It's a tec- maybe it, maybe it just isn't good. It like, was definitely the first the but it was definitely the one that they just were like shit, we just need to make fuck. it. It's just I, uh, I don't know, make her a cat or something. I like I to know. imagine like Danielle's like sitting there playing the game and it just runs flawlessly like that vignette is like the only part of the game that that does run well and we're hitting like it crashed i i can't stand the the mouth eating noises um i just uh yeah i just think it's not it's my least favorite what what did you think about it danielle okay it's so funny that you guys are saying that you hate it because i really liked it god damn it no (laughs) and i'll tell you why? And I'm going to tell you, look, here, let me, let me just come to its defense a little, okay? Because sure. I, I agree with you, like, the, the shark thing, oh my god, that was awful. Like, yeah. the gameplay, not the best. But, like, it reminded me of, like, one of those creepy, like, fairy tales that were written in, like, way back in, like, the 1400s that you would read, like... Like a Brothers Grimm. Yeah, like, I loved it so much. Now, of course, I say I loved it. The gameplay parts I didn't always love about it. Like, I didn't love... Um, the part where you're playing as like the snake or something that was, well, I guess that was a snake that like a tentacle monster. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. The monster. Yeah. That freaked me out. Like I was playing. I was like, all right, this is not fun anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is not good. Please. I think that's, that's what they're going for. Right. Right. I guess. And, but I get that actually pulled me in. I don't know if I'd call it my favorite, but it definitely sucked me in where I was like, okay, this is interesting. I'm mm-hmm. excited to see where this is going to go. I don't think you guys are going to agree with me with what no. my least favorite is. Oh, no. Okay. Because it's, it's for, for me, that almost like, th- I almost was like, I don't know if I can do this. I think, to, so like to their credit on a, on like a technical level, the, the part where you're playing as a cat and you're jumping between uh, yeah. you know, the trees, that is, that was actually really good. Cause I'm playing it. I'm like, I'm like, oh, they've put platforming in this game. Like this is going to be a nightmare, but they've. From like a technical perspective, they're they're pulling this weird thing where they're able to like on the fly be like, all right, you've jumped from here, you've you've looked at this angle, we're gonna give you this jump and we're gonna plop you at mm. like this point along they've they've 
they've got like this path and just being able to like jump from like very arbitrary satisfying. points of the path it's like it's that's very hard to do and knowing where to go yeah yeah, yeah. it's very intuitive that's such okay i'll give them all right fine like the cap bit's good <laughs> and, I'll I, give, and i laugh like yeah. to be fair the the shark rolling down the hill is very funny it's funny, I... but it's not supposed to be funny. There's no. a very serious, fucking weird, psychedelic situation happening, and you're flip-flopping a big old shark down a hill. It's very entertaining. Just I've so... seen that. That's a meme somewhere, right? I'm sure like, it, it has is. to be. It's just so so tonally dissonant. Literally jumping the shark. I can't. Like literally jumping the shark. Oh, fucking... oh. All right, that's it. The podcast is over. That's the last one. We're done. Yep. Okay, fine. What was, what was your least favorite vignette, Daniel? Okay, I'm sorry to say this. It the, the fish thing. No, I, I, no. I, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. Here, here's where I come in and say I know what they were going for. Oh, no. <laughs> Dear God, my my computer could not handle it. I felt oh, so. T- and it, yeah. It's me, right? It's me. It's not you. It's me because I'm. <laughs> I like because. I was so tired. I had a headache at that point. The game's almost over. And my mouse, I set it on like the the setting where you can move the mouse more freely, but it still wasn't really moving that well. Yeah. So like I'm trying to do the fish thing and trying to move at the same time. And I'm like, I swear to God, when is this thing ending? <laughs> I thought the story was great, but I was so frustrated while playing it. It does that need I, yeah. I almost feel like that, like that part, it really relies on you getting good at the fish thing very quickly. Yeah. And if, and if you never get good at, like, if you have, if there's a, if there's any barrier for you to be able to do the fish thing, it's just like, it falls apart. Did this game come out on PS4? I want to say it's on consoles. I'm not sure. It is because it was a free game on the PS4. Right. I imagine it might've played better on a PS4 because you have the two sticks. I think you can just a, get into yeah. the monotony of like, because I I also found the mouse right. kind of hard because it kind of it's kind of floaty, yeah, and it's like the, the non. Yeah. I, I think they did that to try and make it easier, but it, I yeah the controls of that, but that that's yeah. such a hard thing to get completely right. Like I don't like I like the fish one. I don't actually think it's my favorite. Okay, kind of okay. thinking back on it. What's your favorite? I really like the comic one. The comic Me one's dope. Um, I thought yeah. that was yeah. super cool for like a whole myriad of reasons. Like, first of all, like just the doing like the in panel like gameplay segments, like that's just Very super cool. cool. Yeah. Um, yes. Also, the way it tells you how to open the open the um the door to the basement when you walk into the when you get into the room for the to the house for the first time, you yeah. try to get into the the basement and like the key you have doesn't work. And there's the there's the music box next to it. And like most people play with the music box until it opens and they yeah. walk off and whatever. And they go do like six vignettes and yeah. then they get to the right. comic one. And she's like, oh, my dad, you know, he does all this crazy stuff. And he's put a he hid the key to the basement inside the music box. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like right. I played with the music box. And I, I was like, you just have to keep spinning it. And then ah. so you finish the comic yeah, vignette, yeah, yeah. which okay, is like pretty cool. And then the next you're like, I gotta I gotta go to I the basement. Fucking basement. That is like the single best example of like them being able to like drive you to the next area without you having to like think about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's it like it really stands out. It's just like, oh, I know how to get into the basement now. Mm-hmm. You just like run over there as fast as you can. This is an issue I think a lot of games really struggle with is solving that problem of how do you know where to go next? Especially um, in such a closed environment like this, you're not 
it's not like a you know like a like a uncharted nathan drake kind of experience where it's mm. like you'll get physically taken from yeah. one place to another by like a train or something it's more like a yeah. it's more like a uh, what do they call like an escape room thing yeah it's, it's really very, what yeah. Yeah. you know it's got that vibe and True. there's this thing and i was thinking about it because um i was playing among the sleep the other night um because i hate myself um, <laughs> but for the specific reason that after i played this i wanted something for contrast that was trying to do something similar where it wants the gameplay and the story to be kind of one-to-one sort of and using the medium as the message because like your baby shouldn't really understand stuff in resident evil 7 yeah it's also just the same. It's the game. same thing. So it's it's interesting, <laughs> but it, it was interesting by contrast that that game so often struggled to tell me where to go next, even though there was really mm. usually like two or three options. And, and th- there's one area where you come back to a you kind of you go into three separate areas that you can do in any order, and then you come back to the to the one area. But in those three or four areas, knowing what to do next, the its ability to signpost that was limited to the point where. There was one area where it needed it, the game. The developers clearly gave up, and they're just like, "Here's a fucking waypoint." <laughs> like they throw one in there, and it's it's non diegetic. Like, yeah. It's just a fucking waypoint, and it was that where it's like, "Huh." For contrast, Edith Finch is so good at being like, "Hey, if you're following along and paying attention to the story." It's almost like you don't need to work out where to go next. It naturally, no. like reveals itself. There are a few hiccups. Probably the one time where I got kind of spun around the wrong way was when you get into Dawn's, like you climb up the climbing wall, yeah. and you get into Dawn's area and mm-hmm. there's a pole that goes down. I was like, oh, I got to go down the pole. Mm. You don't go down the pole. Um, you have to go out the window yeah, to your left. I was like, uh, I was like, why would you put the pole there if you don't want me to go down the pole? Don't put the pole there. It's like, there's don't a, put the yeah, pole there. I know. There's yeah. a few bits like that. There's a few bits like that where it's like they give you- just like something to play with and it sends you down the wrong path. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, yeah, the, did, the pathing is really well done. Did you feel at any point, so like th- there are a few highlights in this story of like visual imagery and stuff like that. I'm sure Danielle on your end, that was probably when your computer was 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 crying. Yes. <laughs> but there, there's, there's, there was a moment for me where at, there's, there's two moments in this game that really stood out to me. The first is when you go into the bedroom of uh, Edith's brother, which is the, the boat that's in the, tr- like the boat that has been, yeah. Oh, yeah. That Im- that uh, that's the, a fucking cool. Yeah, the artist. The, the, no, the, the, no, no. The he's the fish boy. He's the fish boy. The, the yeah. fish boy. His, his <laughs> room's fucking rad. I want to live there. I was like, that's cool. Yeah. It's cool as shit. There was something fantastically mundane about just putting a boat in a fucking tree. I, I really I mean, like he, it. He was so, like his character, and like you pick this up just by his like environment and like his story. Like he's such just like a college dude. He is. He's <laughs> just, he's just like he's, he's yeah. smoking joints and playing video games. Yeah, like, pretty much. Um, <laughs> which I. Like, I like that, but I like that it doesn't err in the side of, like, and he's a moron. Like, he can still hold down a job type thing. So, yeah, if yeah, anything, he was very good at any, his job. Yeah, so I, li- I liked that it didn't True. it didn't get lazy with that because I can see the tendency there is to is to be like, uh, you know, just, just he's, a he's an artist, man. He just smokes weed and, and jacks off all day. He doesn't do anything. Like, you know, it's like, right. no, he actually has a job and he's productive, um, which I thought was kind of nice. Uh, the other moment for me was was uh, when you you're outside, sort of near the beach, and you come up, and there's the the graveyard, and you get to the very end of the graveyard, and you can see the old house. Yeah. Uh, at low tide, because mm-hmm. they mention they kind of allude to the old house a few times, but it's like never. It's not until after that that you get the explicit, like when Edith, like after she sees it, she's like, "Yeah, that's they Odin traveled here and brought the house with him," which is an yeah. insane thing to do. But looking at that house, that's like kind of buried in the you in know, the like, ocean oh <laughs> i went i was like oh that's really fucking tragic like it, yeah. it 
That was yeah. when the tone really worked for me. It got so close. <laughs> it reminded me a lot of um, a series of unfortunate events, actually, this game. Yeah. Totally. yeah. It has that yeah, weird, good. a bit less whimsical, but it, in general, it has that vibe to it where it's like, it is a slightly heightened version of reality, but things still kind of make sense. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> just this just that makes together. me want... Yeah. <laughs> I, I just want a video game of that now, of that story. I just want to rewatch the oh. TV. There, the there, there is a series of unfortunate yeah. events video game on the PS2, and it's not good. Okay, we're going to have to play oh, that at God. some point for the <laughs> Channel. I'm pretty sure there is. It's like a Hell movie yeah. tie-in, and it's horrendous. Was it the movie tie-in from the from the, from the film? Oh yeah. god! Okay. Oh, I'm pretty sure it ex- it's like a weird 3D platform, and well, it's we, hot. We're gonna put our hands on a PlayStation 2 in that game at yeah. some point because that sounds amazing. <laughs> um, this game is it's about an hour and a half end to end. If you kind of know what you're doing, yeah. it's so it's yeah. pretty. It's a pretty short experience. Um, I I think everyone should play Firewatch. Because I think it's an abject lesson in it, it, it is. I think people that don't like video games should play Firewatch because it teaches you something about what it is to be a human. Like that game, yeah. that game teaches you empathy and and expectation and gender politics in a way that is so seamless that I think yeah. every every person should play that game at some point if they have the opportunity. Yeah. Edith Finch doesn't really say anything, and this is kind of the point that I want to yeah. want to bring us to at the end here is. What is the game? What is the what is it? What is it about? What is it trying to say? Because I've been trying to work it out. Like I've been I've been sitting there thinking about it, chewing through it, and I just don't know that it ever really says anything. The obvious response is I don't think it needs to say anything. Um, but it's but it seems like it wants to. It's very, it's so, so much of it is so heavy handed that it feels like it's trying to convey something. It's almost like a morality tale, but it could never apply to the real world because, I mean, clearly these deaths that happen are so esoteric, (laughs) so specific, like just, I, I don't know, but that's why it sort of does feel like building back on the Molly stuff, like it almost feels like a dark fairy tale in the morality aspect of it, but yeah. But there is something missing, and I, I've had a hard time thinking about it because when I finished playing, I was like, so now what will I say about the game? Like, I don't really know. Yeah. That <laughs> like, was kind of the issue I had because normally we, we can scrutinize and be like, like, Dear Esther, like, is saying a lot of things, but it also is saying one thing, and that is that thing is about, mm-hmm. like, grief and loss and process. Yeah, the, the, the family curse and the fact that the, the twist, quote-unquote twist ending is that you're um edith's son and she dies in childbirth yeah. like it that doesn't really resonate like that has ostensibly nothing to do with the curse um right. I, and it's like she dies in childbirth she's the last sibling and there's one and then the you're obviously the the, the her son i guess um which is to say that you're because she dies in childbirth you're the only one left you're the only finch left yeah which, so the curse is still happening um, but I, th- I think then the game is about the curse. Um, and this is where I kind of get a bit flummoxed. So is the curse real and does it matter <laughs> is really the central question. If you can answer that question, I think you can access the central meaning behind this story because Dallas, when he's writing this and putting it together, focuses on how the potential existence of the curse affects the family members. It's not whether or not, it's not whether the curse is real, but it's the potential for the curse that creates so much of the things that go wrong. Like the fact that, um, I think it's, is it Sven that's locked, who's locked in the basement, one of them? That's Walter? 
Walter, yeah. So Walter's yeah. locked in the yeah. basement in the hopes that he will outlive the curse effectively, but it's it's not really any kind of life because he's locked in a basement. And then in escaping the prison that he's created, that they've created for him to protect him from the curse, he immediately dies by getting hit by a train, right? <laughs> so instantaneously. Almost instantly. Yeah. And the cruel irony of that is, of course, because he broke through a wall and is on a train track. So that's always going to be a possibility. So it's like, is the curse real? I don't think it matters. But I think the game wants it to matter because there's, there's even a line where Edith says um, right after that scene, she says, quote, maybe we believed so much in a family curse, we made it real, end quote. So I think I think if the story is about anything, it's kind of a story about stories because the family is constantly mm. telling a story about this curse that that's, that befalls them and they're constantly talking about it and, and telling each other about it. And it, it makes these things realized. It makes these things real in, in a sense. And you're playing a character it gets weirdly meta so you're 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 inhabiting someone's version of the journal like of of edith's journal which is a story being told to you as a different character while you're playing a game which is telling you a story it's almost like dallas like knew that knew that there was something it's just like so better like I, i i think that's where it comes unstuck and i think that's why it feels like something's missing because it there's there's enough layers to it where mm-hmm. It's kind of like, you know how you, you watch Inception and it's until like the 10th time and the, the fifth like article you've read about it that you kind of get what it's trying to say. Right. This feels like that. But when you get when you dig through it and you kind of get to the bottom of it, there's not really much there. And I don't think it needs to have anything there. But if it's a story about stories, who's it for? I guess people like us who think about story. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, because it's for that reason, I, I wouldn't recommend it to most people. Unlike Firewatch. Do you know what I mean? Well, maybe that's the point. Like, maybe, like, okay, if we're talking about um, going back a bit to the curse, does it matter? I don't think so. Does any of it matter? No, because death is death no matter what. The vulgarity of it it all, really, like, of these deaths that we're either watching or, like, the one, I think it was Sam... Like, that caught me very off guard, that one, where he's just thrown off the deer and, like, thrown off a cliff or something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my, oh, my God. Like, that was, all right. Like, and the kid yeah. Gregory, like, burning to death in that bathtub. Like, that's, that one's, there's a lot of dark yeah. shit. Like, the, yeah, it is yeah. very, it is very, uh, it doesn't blink in the face of that vulgarity, I think, which is interesting, right. too. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't pull any punches. How did the how did the kid die? How did Molly die? Uh, sh- um, I think she, I, uh, I don't know. Don't know. Do you know what? I, that's because she doesn't die at the end of her vignette. She just is in bed. Yeah, and she's like something's coming for me. I think she's. Well, talking- I guess that's the insinuation that the monster gets her. What the same monster that got Barbara? Like I don't know. <laughs> What's it? I, I don't know. I thought it was trying to do like she died of like some kind of sickness. Yeah, or something. she maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, that would be a good reading of it. Just because it's it's from a like her vignettes from a perspective of a ten year old, and it's like you know it's like how do you explain? We've seen it a lot recently, kind of with this whole COVID situation, the whole like invisible enemy kind of thing. It's like yeah. how do you explain mm-hmm. that to it? Like how does a ten year old kind of process that? Yeah, but. 48 1948 i don't know i'm like there might have been some pandemic i mean it wasn't the spanish flu that was after world war one well 48 is post world war two yeah yeah it's again but that i mean i don't think it matters how she died necessarily but it's an interesting question i guess um yeah yeah, I'm, i'm not sure that that it's a game that i'd recommend for that reason 
in that mm. it's so completely focused in its execution and its story. But I think it, I think if you don't care about story or storytelling, it's probably just a fun theme park <coughs> attraction. Which is mm. fine. Video games yeah. can be that. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's not like you come away with it and, and, and like we were saying, it's not like you come away with it and you're like, now I'm thinking about existence in a different way or I'm, I'm interrogating these ideas that they put forward. It just kind of, it kind of ends and you go, okay, well, I guess that was, that was nice. That was a nice ride. And that's mm. totally fine. I think. Firewatch kind of tricks you a bit where it's like, it yeah. kind of, it teases all of these cool mechanics and like it teases all this like different type of gameplay like one of i think like the funniest thing in that game is that when you <laughs> there's a period where like you have a you have a um you have a uh fishing reel and yeah. you um it's like he's your character's like fishing and then it's like all right there's like a button to put it away and the moment you put it, it away, away it goes away forever <laughs> it's like there right. is no fishing in this game yeah. it's like it's such a funny like when you realize you're like yeah we had a fishing hook at one point and yeah. it's just gone yeah and I, but I feel like with this, it's there. There's always like, if if you know what the game is like, game has like, if you've been, mm-hmm. you know, if you know that the fish thing exists, there's kind of like this promise of like the vignettes. We're like, oh, it's got all these cool, interesting like gameplay moments mm-hmm. with all the vignettes, and like, yeah, it delivers on that promise, and mm. the rest of it is kind of very easy to just like ignore. You could easily just power through and be mm-hmm. like, give me to the next vignette. I want to play the video yeah, game. Yeah, I could see that. Right. It doesn't end in the same way where like firewatch ends where it's like firewatch there's like this whole promise where it's like you're gonna meet the lila it's gonna be great but then it's like it just like punches you in the gut the it's like no bad yeah. gamer right. boy you Puts- did it wrong <laughs> you get, you get the, yeah you feel that you feel that campo santo shaped knife in your back yeah. and they're like right. we, we got you you learned something yeah whereas yeah. this like it delivers and i think the for me like the main kind of like conflict or like takeaway is like the the difference between like Edie and Dawn where it's like do we mm. tell the story what you know do we tell the story which is like wrapped up in all this whole myth of the family cuts and stuff or do mm-hmm. we just ignore it and try to live our lives because god damn it two of my kids have died and I've only got one left right. like just leave right. just let me have a life yeah and I think that that is the question at the core of it is like do you spend your entire life anticipating like wallowing this curse, in this curse or yeah. do you just live your life and either solution seems to be to just live her life um, right yeah. I, I would also say just uh, before we wrap up the other thing i really liked in this game was the um was when you first come into the house um the there's something really eerie about um coming into the house and everything is as it was like on the night they left mm-hmm. it yeah it's very um if you've ever had to like go and like if you ever had someone pass away and you had to go to their place and, and sort through their stuff, it's exactly like that. And it's so <laughs> weird. It's a very weird yeah. feeling um, to have to go and do that. It's like being in a stranger's house and they like, they're not there. It's very strange. Mm. Yeah. I really like that as a tone setter. That was a lot of the appeal to me when I was playing was mm-hmm. just walking up to the house. The first thing I thought was like a studio Ghibli film or like the <laughs> yeah. Weasley household. And you walk inside and it is just, I loved walking through everything. Like you talked about the boat room, which I absolutely loved, but I loved everything. I loved every room that I walked into. I just thought it was so beautiful. Yeah. I, re- I really liked how just everything was connected and it. It, yeah. 
it was it was weird. It's like you go into one room and then there'd be like a secret pathway to the other room. And like, and then in any other game, if it was just like a normal house, you'd be like, what the heck? Like, why is there a secret passage yeah. behind the wine? Like, who does that? Yeah. But because of the setup of this house being so like esoteric and crazy, when you start going through all of these secret passages, you're like, yeah, of course. Like, this makes perfect right. sense. <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel like that, that idea of it makes perfect sense even though it's complete nonsense, <laughs> completely is wild. kind of cool. I think it's a hard thing to pull off. It is. It, I think it is immensely hard yeah. to pull off. I think the the comparison to a series of unfortunate events is like apt yes. because that it, it does, does evoke thing. that kind of thing yeah. where it's just like I think that stuff can be very canny if if you if you're not careful. It is a tricky. It's a really hard thing to balance. Yeah. Even when you're even when like one of the things that that is really difficult in any kind of storytelling. I'm thinking specifically about um, the first main on trig. One of the hardest things is when you do a setup and payoff and it's almost too neat and it, it can get very canny very quickly if you feel like it, it's it's like deliberate or planted or on purpose. And I think the game, Edith gets close a few times but manages not to to overstep that line. I think the, the first two times I went through a secret passage, I was like, okay. But then, <laughs> then I kind of, I was, but then I was there for it and I kind of started, it started to feel like that was feasible. Right. Um, mm. So I, I think it is a fine line to tread, but I mean, it's, it's a cool game. I mean, I, I think, yeah, if, if you haven't played it and you're just interested in the concepts, I think it's worth getting into. Um, yeah. But I don't necessarily know that. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably interested in this kind of stuff. So you're probably going to enjoy it. Um, but it's probably the first one of these we've done where I don't necessarily, I wouldn't, wouldn't give it the blanket like you should play this kind of thing. It's not like mm. a need to play, but it's like yeah. a if you like this kind of stuff and it's like play it because it's probably the best example the best. of it out there at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, do we have any recommendations for this week? Oh, what have we been? Everyone's everyone's getting on board. Video games. Um, <laughs> I was trying to buy a, a, a Ring Fit the other day. Um, you were trying um, to buy Ring Fit. Yeah, yeah good they're, luck. they're sold out everywhere. Yeah, it's sold out everywhere. I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to yeah find. That's we, unfortunate. We, we do have Ring Fit. We have been playing yeah. a bit of the Ring Fit. It's pretty fun. It's a good. It's um, a good one. We bought it on release. Damn, because <laughs> right. we were all nice. about it. Yeah. Um, I've been playing New Animal Crossing. Yeah. Uh, I've been playing Ring Fit. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, uh, we watched a film last night called Coherence. Coherence. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. It's sort of a like a it's like a sci-fi thriller, and it's got like. It's it's kind of like one of those films where it has like a uh, oh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? It's got like a uh, like a thing like there's there's like a uh, thing about it. Yeah. There's like a there's it's like a mystery you're trying to solve. Uh-huh. You're trying to figure out what's going on. There's like a there's like a I rule, like and you're that. like, what's okay. the rule? And it's, ah, okay. it's like interesting, very cool. Um, yeah. So I thought I I quite enjoyed that. It's quite similar to Primer, which I'm trying to convince yeah. everyone to watch because well, that we, film is phenomenal. Yeah, we do. We started Primer. doing movie nights for DCM Works. So if you want to join those, the ah. best way to do that is go to the Discord and we watch movies together. So that was the first one. Yeah. I had to miss it because I had some uh, real life stuff. It was, I had to it was deal me, with. Adam, and James. Yeah, watching, it was really watching good. Watching the so film, so we, come we, hang had, we had some laughs. So we might do an episode on that um, sometime soon because it's a really interesting Definitely. movie. Um, that sounds awesome. I feel like. I've watched. Oh, I've been, re- <laughs> I've been re- I've, I've been watching The Walking Dead still up to season eight. Ah, oh, jeez. Um, it's my goodness. Is that does it become a slog after a while? Yeah. Um, but there is nothing else to do, so it's just always on in the background in my house at the moment. Um, I oh. I've also been re- uh, uh, watching season three of Harmon Quest. Oh, um, <laughs> uh, such a good show um, and then also Community because that's out on Netflix I'm doing a lot of Dan Harmon I don't know what to tell you I've been in the mood mm. for some for some funny yet slightly sad um, very well written stuff so I think I might start 
uh, rewatching Rick and Morty as well, maybe. Mm. Um, what about you, Danielle? What have you been getting up to? Honestly, the game that I've been playing the most recently is has been um, the DLC for Kingdom Hearts 3, because, you know, what else would I be playing but a Kingdom That's Hearts true. game? This is true. Um, I mean, but, like, I paid, like, a lot of money for it, so I'm going to play as much as possible. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and um, I've been playing the hardest bosses on the hardest difficulty, and I can now say that I've beaten all 13 of them and I unlocked the secret boss. Nice. I'm really proud nice. of myself. I really <laughs> wanted to share that because, <laughs> oh my god. Shout, shout, out, <laughs> shout out Danielle. Please oh. add her on Twitter and say congrats. Um, oh, well done. Oh, oh my god. Like, I... Dude, those... Never again. Never <laughs> again. Just say. Like, yep. I'm, I'm done. So I just got the secret boss to do, which... Um, who knows when I'll get to that because yeah, I'm kind of checked out at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're like I'm. I'm, but, I'm a bit spent on the. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I, but yeah, that's, that's <laughs> commitment. Yeah, when you just go 110 oh percent on yeah. something, you're like, I'm done. It is on the shelf. Never have to look at it again. It. I, I'm proud of. Look, I cannot believe I did it. Still, so it was yeah, worth it. But that's now good. it's time. Now it's time. Now to move it's on. time to say yeah. goodbye. <laughs> I did. On that note, I've, I was replaying. I've been doing Dark Souls Three New Game Plus, mm -hmm. um, which I really enjoyed. And we we got up to the final boss of the final DLC on like mm -hmm. a Saturday night, um, and it was Aaron and I. And like, I optimistically was like, "That's fine. We'll take him on. We'll beat him." Sure enough, like 2 a.m. was when we killed him. <laughs> oh, um, no. So we really overcommitted on that one. We like Jeez. ran out oh, of beer no. and food and we were just like, we have to kill just this boss. Yeah. We got to the point where I was like, yeah. we have to do this. Um, but that's, I <laughs> highly recommend that. Uh, yeah. Uh, otherwise, Danielle, where can people find you on the internet if you want to check out Level Story? So you can find me at levelstory.net. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, either my handle is at Level Story or Level Story Mag, M A G. Mm -hmm. And also over on Patreon. And that is also, I believe, just Level Story. Uh, but again, all links are on levelstory.net. And mm -hmm. my personal account on Twitter is at this underscore is Danielle. Excellent. Uh, and otherwise, if you want to follow us, us in. If you want to follow us individually, I'm at DC on my head. Bye. I'm at Literal Citrus. I'll see you guys next time. Bye. All right, that's it. Cool. Nailed it. That was awesome. <laughs>